I know I'm not alone, Austin. <laughs> it's 3 a.m. and you know that feeling. It's a cold or the flu or COVID-19. Whatever it is, I need it gone fast. When I feel symptoms coming on, I have an MD Live virtual doctor visit. MD Live's doctors treat my family from the comfort of home, even writing prescriptions. No waiting room needed. MD Live. Use it as your first line of defense. Most insurance accepted. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio, and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer, and this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. So for the next 25 minutes, we talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. Our final segment on primary and secondary questions, Sherry, we've waxed religious, spiritual, political. Yep. What we want to do is kind of bring the story of Moses to its fruition. We also want to bring these five questions to some sort of a reconciliation where we, we can recognize and appreciate by answering these five questions can really make a huge difference in our happiness going forward. So we're going to ask the five primary questions briefly cover the first two which we've addressed and then pick up the third so the five questions are is there a god who is our father in heaven number two is jesus christ the son of god number three who am i yeah am i a child of god number four how do i heal grow learn and then number five what questions do I need to ask? What don't I know right now that if I knew would bring peace of mind? And I, I love that focus because it, it lets you just like cut off the crust off bread, you know, like get off, get the crust off the bread, get rid of the stuff that does not bring you peace. So going right to the heart of it, Sherry, I'm going to have you just reflect what does it mean to you? to believe or to know there's a God in heaven? It really comes down to who I am. It's so those to me are very interconnected. Mm. That I know who I am because there is a father who created me. And we're going we're gonna to quote it's, philosophers and it's, and it's hard for, for It's hard for me to not answer the one without answering the other. And that's what we want, want it to be. That's healthy. But what about number two? What does it mean to believe Jesus Christ is the son of God? For me, it means... I have a hope and I have a future that goes beyond this world and for my loved ones too because of what he's done for me. Then what does it mean to know who you are? It, it's a feeling to know who I am. It isn't necessarily an answer. It's a feeling. It's a centeredness about that connection to my Heavenly Father. And I'd like to suggest that what Sherry has just done is she's just showed the interconnectedness or the integration of the upstairs and the downstairs brain. She's using the word, it's a feeling, which is her, her subconscious, right? That's where emotions come from. 
But you didn't get there just by feeling. How did you get there? That's a really good question. I, I can cognitively answers or, you know, create answers based off of something I know, but when it comes to who I am and that connection to um, divinity, it is something that goes beyond, when I say it's a feeling, it's like deep. It is knowing that I don't exist without that connection because I know who I am. I know my beginnings. I know who I will always be. Um, it is a sense of something beyond time that can be measured. What would you say to somebody who says, but that's not how I am. That's not how I was born um, because of my life. You know, I, mm -hmm. why would God allow these things to happen? What, you know, it's hard for me to even believe in a God. When someone is challenged with their history, I would invite them to know, have you always been? So this is a really good other primary question. When did you begin? And what, what do you tell yourself? What do you feel from yourself? Is it a finite moment? Or is it beyond this moment? And that's why I can't say I only began at the moment of conception in my mother's womb. I know that's not true. But somebody has to be able to answer that for themselves too. And that might be the primary question they need to know is where are you with time? When my experience with a lot of people, when they're really struggling just to find out their own selves and they bring it, God into the equation, you know, well, if there was really a God, then he wouldn't allow this to happen. Or if there really was a God, then why do I have to go through X? Or why did my dad have to die? Almost all of those are secondaries. Yeah. Well, they are secondary questions. So really our trauma and our trial basis are, um, and the things that happen to us are become secondary when we really get back to these primary questions to process trauma you have to answer primary questions yeah you cannot be stuck in the secondary world because that's going to lead to more gloom that's where you medicate is in the secondary questions it's the the wife who's been divorced for decades who's still harboring it you're stuck in the secondary oh so let's address number three who am i yeah and let's take let's take a little bit of uh, thousands of years of philosophers who've also explained this, and I think it's been fun, because I've heard this since high school, right? It's only when I did research on this one that I was able to put these into a format that I felt congruent. So philosophers have long postulated that to know oneself is also to know God. And, and when you ask me those questions, I can't separate the two. Now, to some people that may seem like blasphemy, but you really can't. You can't separate yourself from God because it is a parental relationship. Oh. Um, you can't look at nature and not see that a seed be, you know, grows into a plant or that um, a, a, a parents make a child. Thus, we are created by Heavenly Father. Now, we, were, we could go, uh, you know, um, a high decoupler might go, well, the two aren't connected. But we're talking but, about parts of a whole. 
and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take that role for a second, and I'm gonna say that might be good for you, but I don't believe there's a God, so I don't see a connection in there to yourself. If you're if you're taking yeah, and the reason I illustrate it this way is that's okay. It's because you've answered the primary question: there is no God. But the next question is then: who are you? And what you're arguing, and I support that, is that it's difficult to separate who I am with who, is there a God? Those who, who don't have that, um, that's just a different approach, which is not in the bandwidth for today. So John Calvin. Yeah. Nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists in two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. When the ancient philosopher Thales of Miletus was asked the most difficult thing to know, he answered, thyself. Because it does leave in so many directions. And, and where you came from, the question of where are you in time? I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. When, you say, when you say to know thyself is to know God. So Socrates said the same, know thyself. It's almost like, of course, that's the more I get to know me, the more I get to know God. The more I get to know God, the more I get to know myself. Right. But what about the one who says that's, I don't believe that at all. They're coming from this bias, right? They're having to separate that. So they're going to argue, well, that's just the way you've always are. And that's what I'm saying. That is my way of looking at life. I have a bias that there's a God. I'm all right with that. Now, statistically, I'm going to be far happier than someone who doesn't. At least that's what the research says. Right. And my experience are those people who struggle with their own identity, struggle with who God is. Even though they claim they're religious, they do struggle with their identity, which means they fail to connect that with God. They are, they're having a rough go. Yeah. That's all I'm suggesting. I believe based upon, and, and I'm bringing in as much science as I can, because when you talk about God, there's, Science gets thrown out from the degree that it can't be proven. But you also can't prove the other side of it, right? Right. You can't prove that there isn't a God. So we're dealing with faith and we're dealing with hope. I believe there's a God. The answer to that primary question, is there a God? The answer to the question of Jesus Christ is, yeah, he does exist. He died for us. We know there was a Jesus who was born in Nazareth or in Bethlehem who was raised coming out of Nazareth. But the point being, that because I believe there is a Christ, I believe there's atonement. That gives me a purpose in life. The next step is finding out who I am. So let's continue with a few more quotes. Lao Tzu, knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Hmm. Pythagoras, know thyself and you will know the universe and God. Carl Jung said, The person who looks outside dreams. The person who looks inside awakens. So let me address that. So let's say you're one of those people who doesn't believe in God. But you're on this journey of looking and knowing yourself. What things will you awaken to? Mm -hmm. And who who do you become? Or who are you and who do you become? Or better yet, who are you becoming? Mm Mm-hmm. That can still apply to somebody who maybe hasn't made a self-to-God connection. It just seems to me that when I've done this work with people, the 
the less someone knows themselves, the more they struggle with the construct of God. That's just been a pattern. Even no. if they come from a religious background. Yeah. That's even then. And then when they're, and this is maybe a little out of the perusal of what today's scope is, but when I do find is that if their religious experience has been one of rigidity, where it wasn't an open invitation to ask the questions, mm -hmm. to figure things out, mm -hmm. then they move quicker to distancing themselves from the religion, and then it's much more convenient to move into the political agnosticism, atheism thing, start taking up stands that aren't principle-based, and then for discounting God. That seems to be a pattern. Um, I have no evidence to support that. I'm not claiming anything more than that. Just see that often. And as they find themselves, they start moving back to a more principle-based approach to their life. They start finding a much more contentment with themselves. It's a more satiable approach to life. Every day becomes a new exciting adventure instead of the drudgery and gloom of anger and attack. And that's what I mostly feel when people go down this pathway. Yeah. I find there's a, a in, our, in our religion or in our church, there's a song called, I Am a Child of God. And that seems to just hit home. And the, the tune itself, the melody, along with the words, it's, brings solace to the soul. Well, it not only does that, but it declares the interconnectedness in terms of our belief system of why it's hard to separate self from without including God. So I explained this a little earlier. My experience is that those who elect to fail to know themselves, and notice I, it's a choice, yeah. um, they fail to know God. And therefore, they start asking the secondary questions. Getting addicted to secondary questions, which clearly is an addiction, is a slippery slope away from God. And as a general rule, it's divisive to the family. As a general rule. Now, the challenge is, Sherry and I just watched the Netflix... Um, the Social Dilemma. It's a mm -hmm. documentary. True Dilemma, isn't it? And so I take part of this from that documentary. The challenges of social media are that confirmation bias is a psychological algorithm built into the search engines. What does that mean, Sherry? Well, I like to go back to when we talk about immaculate perception, that the algorithms of social media confirms a world that is geared towards your preferences or to what you deem as right in your eye. It starts with preferences, mm -hmm. but typically if you prefer it, you're thinking that that's correct. Right? Yeah. And so that's when we use that term immaculate perception, it is a perception that is only unique unto yourself. And that's what social media does. And it's so, it was so fascinating on the social dilemma to really see that this is mathematically um, reaffirmed through the algorithm of social media. So what happens? And you get more of what you think is. Yeah, it takes you. Problem. It takes you down rabbit holes. So basically, mm -hmm. what they've done is they've programmed into the story, and they're not programming in evil. They're just programming in an algorithm, which ends up becoming harmful, malicious, pernicious. Well, it it can be harmful, pernicious, but it's affirming what you've asked it to do so let's say i'm a biden oh. supporter and mm -hmm. i start googling stuff about biden i it's going to take me down a hole that's going to represent him the way i perceive it is if i'm a trump supporter it's going to take me down that direction if i'm looking at pornography it's taking me down that direction you should see the amount of ads i get for golf equipment i believe that 
you're getting a world of golf equipment. Right. And golf tips, golf coaches, golf tidbits. Everything I get is golf related. That's my bias. The other one I love that you get is um, the um, America's, America's Got, got Talent. And I'm like, you get this stuff on your Facebook feed because you've liked it once or twice before. So it's the idea of those that come out of obscurity to share talent oh, yeah. and, and come to claim and fame. What you're not seeing is the, the, the failures. failures. Right. The failures. So you're seeing this track of you could be you could gain this perception of oh if i just went out there and threw myself at the world i'm going to be loved and and be successful that's one way you could look at it yeah it's one way to look and the other way you could look at that is you're going this is neat that this 15 year old from who has holes in his boots doesn't have enough money to buy his own boots um one of the judges gave him his boots, and he got a free ticket to L.A. To, to, to compete. But the other thing is that you're perceiving that that's truth. And this is where we're getting away from why we want to use primary questions, because what you're perceiving mm-hmm. through social media isn't always truth. It's a perception. That's very well said. You don't really know what's being put on a stage, and your social media is nothing more than a stage. Right. And it's going to help us. It will feed into our cognitive distortions because now who is right trumps what is right. And that just eliminated principle and eliminated primary questions. So you can just see when we talk about perceptions or in a relationship of why did that person do that? Well, that was offensive, that it is nothing more than what the way our brains receive information. Political correctness. That's right. just a, a great example. Okay, so put this into a marriage. A, a husband and wife are facing severe marital challenge. Well, I'm not finished there yet. Oh. You just give me one oh. second. I want to go want, there. I know you do. I just want to finish, the, and you summarized it, but I want to read what I wrote here. It's just once someone starts down the road of secondary questions, They get stuck in the immaculate perception that everyone thinks like they do. They become obsessed with being right, and those who don't agree with them are uneducated radicals who need to be silenced and controlled. I just wanted to summarize that because that's, in effect, the political arena in which we exist. Not only the political arena, it is when we double down on anything, that's what it looks like. And now... Beautiful segue into the husband and wife. Right. So the wife explains the dire situation as follows. My husband always, notice the absolute, whenever whenever we're telling ourselves something that it always happens, red flag, you got a problem. My husband always makes bad decisions. He needs a better job. He won't listen to me. And when I try to get to see, get him to see reason, he just clams up. So the set, the primary question, sorry, the secondary question she's asking is it's like, what's wrong with my husband? He needs to be fixed. Who can fix him? So I got a phone call last week, a couple parents um, wanting to talk to me about their 15 year old son. He's alleg- allegedly addicted to gaming. Um, he has distanced himself from the parents and they're really concerned. And these are great parents, I'm not disparaging them. Um, they want the professional guidance to fix the son. In such situations, however, it's rarely the child who needs the guidance. Secondary questions never bear satiable fruit. What if 
And this is a what if for both the parents and what if for the wife in this particular case. What if secondary questions such as what's wrong with my son? Can you fix my son? What's wrong with my husband? Can you Mm -hmm. fix my husband? Were replaced with the primary one such as how can I improve my relationship with my spouse or my child? In other words, what must I do? And so our tagline of our show, you're 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. Not for the happiness, joy, and well-being of your spouse or your game-addicted son. So our ability to forge through difficult times or personal challenges is significantly impacted by the degree we each understand, answer and understand primary questions. In times of hardship, knowing there's a God who is our Father in heaven, a Redeemer who is Jesus Christ, and that we are each a child of God can remove suffering. Mm-hmm. It can diminish pain. And it can offer each of us the ability to perceive every experience that we have is perfect. It's exactly what we need at that time to integrate, to come closer to the divine, and to find happiness, joy, and well-being. So let's wrap this up now. This is four segments on it. And I want to answer the questions that God gave to Moses. He said, how can I make sense of this? You mean Moses to God. Yeah, did I say that wrong? Yeah, he said God to Moses. But what Moses, so let's go back a couple segments ago that that Moses observed these travelers. The first traveler came and left a purse. Second traveler found the purse and left. And third traveler came and fell asleep. First traveler came back and killed him. Good. Out of anger. Right. Thinking he was the one that took You blamed him for it, right? Yeah. You took my money. Moses said, I fail to understand the ways of providence. I fail to understand the workings of divine justice. He doesn't question that he exists. He just doesn't understand them. Just tell me what what is going on here so I can understand. That was Moses' question. And that whole scenario looks so confusing to him that something like that could happen. We have things that happen. COVID alone Mm -hmm. is confusing to the world. And we don't know why. Okay. Here's God's answer. He basically said, The man who lost the money, that's the number one traveler, had inherited it from his father who had stolen it from the father of the man who found it. So now that one, number one and number two, they've been corrected. The man who had been killed, number three, had in years past killed the brother of the man who had killed him during the quarrel. So now that was taken care of. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Know then, O Moses, that I ordained it, that the murderer should be put to death by the brother of the victim, whilst the son should find the money of which his father had once been robbed. My ways are inscrutable, and often the human mind wonders why the innocent suffer and the wicked prosper. So it sounds a little bit fatalistic when we describe, because this was apocryphal, Hebrew tradition. It's a legend. It's a legend. It's not even scripture. But it sounds a little fatalistic. The point, the takeaway is, is that we don't always understand, and therefore we ask primary Primary questions. questions. Otherwise, we'll be myopic in the story. We'll fail to get it. If we understand, for example, if I know 
that there's a God or I believe I know that there's a God, I can live with a lot of stuff going on. Including COVID. Including COVID. I disagree with much that has been done in COVID. I disagree with much that is going on politically. I disagree with things everywhere. And and it could be, I disagree with the way my wife um, cooks something or the way that my wife does the laundry. It could be anything. But it doesn't mean I have to be in resistance to it. I can disagree and still be in acceptance. I can still be happy. I can still live my life the best I can. I can learn from the things that don't go right. That doesn't change the fact that I am responsible for my happiness, joy, and well-being. If you become adept at recognizing first secondary questions for what they are, secondary questions, if you realize when people are waxing eloquent, they have to be right. They're addicted to being right. They're in contention, a who is right basis, not conflict, a what is right basis. Yeah, I love it because there's a whole lot of stuff out there we don't have to sweat about as much because we recognize it for what it is. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, We look forward to sharing more with you in the next segment. So stand by. We'll be back. I know I'm not alone, Austin. (laughs) It's 3 a.m. and you know that feeling. It's a cold or the flu or COVID-19. Whatever it is, I need it gone fast. When I feel symptoms coming on, I have an MD Live virtual doctor visit. MD Live's doctors treat my family from the comfort of home, even writing prescriptions. No waiting room needed. MD Live. Use it as your first line of defense. Most insurance accepted. I know I'm not alone, Austin. (laughs) It's 3 a.m. and you know that feeling. It's a cold or the flu or COVID-19. Whatever it is, I need it gone fast. When I feel symptoms coming on, I have an MD Live virtual doctor visit. MD Live's doctors treat my family from the comfort of home, even writing prescriptions. No waiting room needed. MD Live. Use it as your first line of defense. Most insurance accepted.